Hey, what's up? This is John with the band Skillet. You are listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando on iHeartRadio. You know where you are? Do you know where you are? This is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 131. My name is Brando. Coming up in just a few moments, John L. Cooper from Skillet. So last episode, we go from Alice Cooper. We're not working! We're stuck! We suck! To, well, I don't have a soundbite specifically for... For John Cooper of Skillet, <laughs> I think that's okay. He won't mind if we just have a straight conversation with him. Uh, so that's going to be awesome because they've been on a lot of the same bills, festival bills, as Guns N' Roses. And we're also going to talk to him about his upbringing where he started his singing in uh, in church. And if you know anything about Axl Rose, he did the same thing. So they've obviously, John L. Cooper and Axl Rose have had kind of different paths when it comes to religion and faith. So that might be an interesting part of the conversation. However, I need to uh, introduce my co-host, which I do have uh, a soundbite for. Vincent LaGuardia again, Vinny. Maybe not the, the same Vinny, but Vinny from NYC. How are you, sir? I am doing well. How are you doing today? I told you that I was going to have soundbites for you. You were serious about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I, when I tell people my name is Vinny from New York City, I usually get those types of jokes. I'm called my cousin Vinny on the regular, so I was expecting it. <laughs> well, I, I, thanks for for coming on. You you were the one one of the ones that I put out there where uh, I said, "What is the six degrees of Guns N' Roses bacon, the skillet?" And you were you came in with just a really informative answer uh, regarding the the church thing that I thought. And uh, once we kind of agreed to do the episode, then we just found out that just the amount of festivals that they have played together, including the uh, upcoming Exit uh, 111 Fest. Or one 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 fest. I forget how it's uh, pronounced. So we'll talk about that. Skills has a new album coming out next month, and all that fun stuff. But but first, I want to talk to kind of talk to you because it's it's cool to me because I've had a lot of uh, listener co-hosts on, but they're normally from other countries, <laughs> other continents, or maybe another part of the, of the world. Let's just say that uh, for now, uh, let's just say this so we clear it up. Just because you're from New York, we don't know each other. I have no, <laughs> right? Yes, that is very true. We have never met. Uh, I am a regular listener, just like everyone else. That means a lot, and that's just awesome. That because uh, I don't know if you've ever gotten that when I when I lived in Massachusetts for for a couple of years. Whenever uh, someone found out, like, oh, you're from New York. Do you know so and so? That's not exactly yeah. how it works. Yeah, yeah, I got that. Uh, Pretty much because I lived down in North Carolina for a while, so sometimes people will be like, oh, I knew someone who lived in, in Rocky Mountain. I'm like, well, I was nowhere near that place. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, happens regularly, too. But it's good because I, I know you told me off the air that you're originally from, from Jersey, though, right? Yeah, that's correct. So it's just good because, again, when I, since I've had so many people on, including guests from other parts of the world, and a lot of times I really do get self-conscious about um, my accent 
or if I get started, you know, when I lose myself in conversation, maybe uh, the New Yorkness comes out. Did you say Utes? Yeah, two Utes. <laughs> what is a Ute? Oh, excuse me, Your Honor. Two Utes. I'll have to slow down and, and actually pronounce instead of getting all New York up in here. So um, just thanks for, for, you know, of course, joining and, and, and being a listener. And before we get John L. Cooper on, um, and we'll see if we have time for uh, Shotgun News before. Probably not. So you'll hang around for, for Shotgun News after the interview. And we're going to talk about the Stephen Adler stabbing incident. Uh, that was just crazy. I, I've, I haven't done an episode since then. And that was kind of a crazy 24 hours. So we'll talk about that. But first, I kind of want to get your your bio a little bit. What's your, your Guns N' Roses background? Because when we uh, announced this uh, episode on my social media, you gave me a picture with, uh, of you with Slash. So I know you've at least met Slash at the at the very least. So uh, what concerts have you been to? Uh, how long have you been a fan? All that fun stuff. Yeah, sure. So I, I became a fan in 1991. I actually have my uh, my older brother to thank for that. He uh, had bought the Use Your Illusions albums and he was playing the hell out of them at home. So, uh, you know, I was listening to this music and, and getting really into it. And then uh, I saw the You Could Be Mine video, and that kind of just changed things for me, and I became a fan of the band ever since then. Um, as far as seeing the band live, I was a bit too young to uh, to have seen them during that User Illusions tour. So um, my my first, I guess, opportunity was to see them when they came back in Vegas in, in 2001. But unfortunately, I got cold feet. I was a college kid, didn't have much money and skipped it, oh. you know, thinking, oh, I'll see them, you know, soon enough. Uh, so, of course, we know what happened after that. Uh, the 2003 tour did not end well, or sorry, 2002 did not end well. I had uh, second row tickets to see them in South Carolina. Mm. Um, finally got to see Velvet Revolver, at least in 2005. Uh, and then I did finally see uh, Guns N' Roses at three of the four shows at the Hammerstein Ballroom in 2006. Okay. And uh, yeah, and since then I've seen uh, New GNR, you know, several several times. Uh, basically, any time they came through the area, I would go see them. Um, and then I've seen the uh, the Not in This Lifetime uh, shows. I think four four shows I've been to so far for that. Wow, you're really catching up. So many of the, like you, so many fans have just been to so many more shows than I've been. But I, I can, I guess, I can only blame my my work schedule. See, working in radio doesn't help you get to, go to concerts all the time. I have to be here because radio is on twenty four seven. Someone's got to man the man the ship at times. But that's uh, sure. that that's pretty that's pretty sweet. Um, I'm I'm assuming like your older brother did with you teaching you. I mean, do you have kids that you're teaching about GNR? Are you passing down the legacy? Uh, yeah, actually, it's funny you ask that. My my older daughter is uh, about three and a half, and I've been introducing her to. She actually knows who Slash is by the top hat. Sure. Uh, but you know, uh, I'm I'm easing her into it. I'm not uh, letting her listen to like Perfect Crime or uh, anything <laughs> like that right off the bat. So, uh, you know, easing into it, like I said. Probably a sweet child of mine, and and that's it. <laughs> that might be the safest, yeah. <laughs> the safest Guns N' Roses song. That's it. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's pretty cool, man. And I appreciate you know you're a listener of of the podcast, and it's just unique how people. I say I've said it before all over the world, but then kind of right here in my in my backyard, you're you're able. To, I mean, hopefully next time you're able to kind of come in studio. Uh, I know it's a bit of a trek because you're wait where are you? You're the Lower East Side? Did you say? Uh, I live on the Lower East Side, but I, I work in Midtown. 
Oh, okay. So I'm, yeah, I'm in the city, you know, 99% of the time. But oh, I, I would love if, if uh, you know, if our schedule is aligned. And, and if I don't totally blow this today, I would love <laughs> to, to come in and uh, be in the, in the studio there with you. Well, you, you have some, some radio background, right? You did in college? Yeah, yeah, two two big semesters of uh, college radio, nice. and then uh, just did not go back to it. <laughs> you know, you really just got to stick with it. Uh, if only if you love it. it, it's really a hard career path. My savings will reflect that, but it's what I, I like to do in my life, and it's given me opportunities to interview people from Alice Cooper to John L. Cooper. No complaints here. Yeah, I like that connection. By the way, the Cooper connection. Didn't even think of that. It's funny. It was the same. He might. They might be in the same label as uh, as Alice because I've been talking to the same rep who helped me book Alice and, and Skillet. So uh, her her email said um, interviews with the Coopers, and <laughs> she's like trying to you know. She's like I'm trying not to get confused of who goes when, and I said I just won't. I refuse to make a a hanging with Mr. Coopers joke. I won't do that. <laughs> Even though I, I, I did, <laughs> just by saying that. Yeah. Uh, and I believe now, he's calling up, so we go from one Cooper to the next, John from Skillet. Hello? Hey, Brandon, this is John Cooper. Hey, John, how are you doing, sir? Good, what's up? I guess first thing is, so there's no L? There's no. I, I want to make sure I address you properly. No. Oh. <laughs> no, nobody calls me, that's just my... Uh official whatever i guess you call it because there's so many john coopers so i i put john l cooper on my official writing okay because <laughs> you, you just never know because i don't know if you're a sports guy but uh like stephen a smith on espn there's obviously a lot of stephen smiths but people could say hey stephen a so i didn't know if i had to refer to you as hey john l so, okay <laughs> no you could just call me a king or something like that i'll, I'll be i'll be fine <laughs> okay sounds good <laughs> and and John, I just want to let you know um, what we do on this on this podcast. In addition to the six degrees of of Guns N' Roses bacon connection that we make to kind of meet all these great people, we just use the GNR thing as an excuse to meet all these people. I also have listeners of my show come on and, and co-host, so they could talk to you know their rock heroes, or if I have an author on, or, or anything like that. So. Also on the line with me, uh, even though he's in New York, he's not in studio with me. His name is Vinny from NYC, and he, as soon as I put it out there, a co-hosting opportunity with uh, John L. Cooper or John Cooper, he jumped at it. Oh, cool. What's up, Vinny? Hey, John. How are you doing today? Awesome. Awesome. It's nice to chat with both of you. Well, we yeah, appreciate thanks. the time, uh, for sure, especially since, and might be the best way to start off, you're a Stranger Things fan. I'm I'm following you on Twitter. Oh yeah, yo, I I can't wait until this drops. However, my girlfriend's back home in Chicago for like another week, so I have to wait until she comes back after the the next season oh, drops. Oh, that's lame. <laughs> you don't have to, but you're being a nice boyfriend by doing so. <laughs> I'm a terrible liar. I'm a terrible liar. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's one of the first. Uh... The first trend I was ever on the front end of was Stranger Things, so I'm I'm still pretty proud of that. And and what about the? I guess to, <laughs> I always start off my interviews awkward. What about the beard trend? Because you, I have a beard, but yours is like another. Yours needs to be I don't know kept in the Smithsonian. It's just so <laughs> perfect your beard. But people say like, oh, you're a hipster. I'm uh-huh. like, I had a beard before. I was hip before the stir. 
So when did you decide right, to grow right. it? I, you know, I think the first time I grew it was, um, it's actually a really funny story. This is actually worth talking about. I think fans will think this is interesting or hysterical. We were going on tour with Stone Sour back in like 2000, maybe 10, maybe 11. And uh, Skillet at the time, we were just getting on rock radio. We were kind of just getting to be kind of accepted as a, you know, a rock band with, with a radio hit, which was awesome. And, but we have been accused by a lot of people that, of like being too soft looking. Because, you know, I, I was I was apparently kind of pretty. And there was, in fact, there was a review of a, a show we did with Shinedown. And uh, and it, it was like, the opening band Skillet was actually really good once you got over the fact that the singer looked like he belonged in the Backstreet Boys, not in a rock band. And uh, I, <laughs> so I guess that, you know, I'd been a little pretty. And then we also had two girls in the band. And, of course, we come, everybody kind of knows, we kind of come from the Christian uh, music world. And so I felt like it's like three strikes against us. And so we were going on this tour of Stone Sour. I'd never met the band. All that I knew was that Corey Taylor was from Slipknot. And I'm like, man, people are going to hate us. We're pretty. I got girls in the band. And I told my wife, I was doing P90X at the time, which is a, which is a real popular workout around 2010. And, uh, and I was bulking up pretty big. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to double time P90. I'm going to grow a beard and, and people aren't going to be messing with me. So uh, I grew a beard for the first time and my wife hates beards. She's like, oh, I really hate beards. But I was like, look, it's three months. Let me do it. So I grew a beard. And then about two weeks into the tour, I was talking to one of the girls on the tour that was working, and she said, well, yeah, you know, me and Corey, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Corey who? She goes, Taylor. And I said, oh, are you married to Corey Taylor? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> and I said, I said, how come it's been two weeks and nobody told me that? And she said, well, I think everybody's kind of scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, "Crap! I, I, I think I should keep this beard." So anyway, I ended up I ended up shaving it, and about two years later, my wife was like, "You know what? I actually really miss your beard. I didn't think I'd like it, but it made you look serious. I think you should grow it." So I grew it again. So there's my funny beard story, and and of course, in the end, Corey Taylor is the nicest person in rock and roll music, um, and treats everybody really good. So it, that's also like a a certain kind of delicious irony of that story of me thinking they're going to treat me bad, but the whole band was amazing. Corey was amazing and the fans were amazing. So I didn't have to do a beard, but here we are. Oh, beautiful. Mine's not as funny. Cause I grew up, I mean, I'm a five, six, you know, skinny Jewish kid from Long Island. I'm not going to go to intimidate anybody. Uh, and, and whenever I kind of grew a beard, I remember the first time was when the giants, uh, won the Super Bowl against the Patriots the first time. So I grew a playoff beard and I just look like a rabbi. Oh. I look like a rabbi. I don't want to look like a rabbi. That's, that's not a, a good look for me. But I started doing a radio show that started at, at 4 in the morning. And I'm like, I just can't shave anymore. And then I just started getting maybe, I don't know, your wife seems to be in the, in the minority. Because as soon as I started growing a beard, I mean, I, I don't know, my luck with women changed. And I'll just leave it at that. So, uh, and my girlfriend now loves it. She doesn't want me to shave it. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it. <laughs> and, and Vinny, I know you're, you're, you're baby face Vinny. So I don't know uh, how your wife feels. Well, she, when I do grow out my beard, she, uh, she called me a caveman. So I, I do keep it trimmed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got their thing, you know? All right. Fair. I uh, love Fair enough. 
Uh, so in addition to talking about beards and stranger things, of course, I want to talk about uh, the new album coming out next month, right, Victorious? One month from today. Okay, wow. Where does uh? Unless this is unless this isn't filming today. Is this filming today? I'm, oh, gonna, I'm sorry. Releasing today? No, no, no problem. I I try to do this in in much as real time as possible. So it's July second. I'm going to put it out July third. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we can say that. One month from today, our record comes out, and I am so pumped up about it. Where did the uh the title come from? Victorious. I'm I'm sure it was, it was not beard related. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's about yeah me me on my throne with my beard and my mug of ale. <laughs> um, let's see, Victorious. Well, there is a song on the record called Victorious, and and we weren't planning on calling the record that, but it after we finished the album, you know, you write you end up writing thirty, forty, fifty songs for a record, and and sometimes it's not until the end after you've chosen the songs uh, that you. You look at it and you go, oh, wow, there's a really cool theme running through this album because, you know, probably there's not a theme running through 40 songs, but for 10 there could be. And when we finished the record and looked at it, it just seemed that there was a lot of songs dealing with this kind of uh, life is hard and it's going to knock you down sometimes, but you can be victorious through the fight. Uh, but it's kind of encouraging people. You know, I think we kind of live in a culture right now that people don't want to be in the fight. They just want to be victorious. Um, they, they want to win. They want to have everything go great. Everything is awesome. Each day is awesomer than the last. Uh, but that's not really what life is like. And, and I think there's like a generation of people growing up that are not realizing that, that life can suck really bad sometimes. And you have to go through the sucky parts to enjoy the, the good stuff. So that's kind of a theme on the record. And I thought it was an inspiring title to call the record victorious. I like that. And I completely agree with it, too. I, I like to think that I'm uh, not a millennial because I'm not going to say that you were referring to millennials, but that's just been kind of, uh, I guess, today's culture where you want the instant gratification without really earning it, so to speak. Absolutely. And you got to do that. And that's how I've always felt about radio. It took me seven and a half years to get full time. You know, even doing this podcast, mm. I had to prove it to myself to get on the iHeartRadio app, to have rock news outlets pick me up, to get big guests like John Cooper and Alice Cooper last episode. And I've had to work for it. It's been, it's, it's been very, very difficult. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's the story, man. I love it. Right on. And I'm, I'm wondering, because you, you mentioned before, like, what would it be the biggest tour you, you've been on with Stone Sour, but now you're going out with, with Alter Bridge. That's another big tour and success for you guys and gals. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, the funny thing about Skillet is I, I always tell people this. It always sounds like I'm bragging until you hear the whole sentence, but I always tell people that Skillet is the biggest, most successful selling band that you've never heard of. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, we're not a household name, and then people are like, wow, that band's, uh, you know, it's, you know we've, we're at, I think, 12 million records sold or something. We've toured with every, every like, major rock band. Now, I'm not talking about, uh, I, I'm not talking about legacy bands like Metallica. I never toured with Metallica. That'd be awesome. Or Guns N' Roses, just since that's what we're, we're here to talk about at some point. But uh, but we've been, in terms of anything that's kind of modern, we've toured with just about everybody. Uh, we toured with Nickelback in Europe um, a few years back. Uh, Three Days Grace, Breaking Benjamin, Corn last summer, um, Stone Sour twice, Shine Down multiple times. 
I mean, it's, it's a pretty long list that we've been out with. And, and yes, uh, we toured Ultra Bridge a little bit in Europe, only about 10 dates. So this will be the most we've toured together, but I love the band. And, and, and speaking of, we toured with Creed as well. So Skill has been around for a very long time and, and kind of been through it. Wow, I would have liked to have seen that Skillet Creed tour. I, I saw Creed it was fun. years ago at, at Nassau Coliseum with uh, Jerry Cantrell and oh, there was some other act that I'm, awesome. just, I'm forgetting right now. But uh, I'm speaking of, I guess, kind of jumping off Creed and just your your, your outlook on life and right from the get go, as soon as you picked up, uh, I picked up the phone. You have this this great energy. Uh, Vinny brought uh, a great point. Uh, to my attention, in addition to just the festival bills that you've been on uh, with with Gene R as an excuse to to talk to you, but your your upbringing. So, Vinny, do you want to kind of uh, take it away here and and the comparison that you you told me? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be real brief. So, John, I, I you know I know that uh, faith and and you know religion has certainly played a big part in your life, uh, especially early on. And uh, just one of the connections I told Brandon about was that, you know, both you and Axel were very active in the church when you were young. And, uh, you know, Axel learned to sing in church, and uh, I believe you did as well. So that was the one connection that, that I had made uh, between you guys. That's interesting. I, I actually did not know that <clears throat> about Axel Rose. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the amazing thing is every band that I've toured with has at least one member of their band that kind of comes and talks to me about church. Uh, kind of like, you know, two, three shows in, they'll be like, so... Hey, talk about church, and and every single band has at least one member, sometimes multiple members, who learned how to play music growing up in church, or were like a preacher's kid and was on the worship team at church. It's uh, it, it's amazing. I mean, church is a is a wonderful place to learn music, and, and music is a part of. Uh, I don't want to say all, but you know, lots and lots of different kinds of religions. Music is a part of it because music is uh, something we don't, as humans, fully understand, but we, yet we all know it has power, even though we can't really explain it. it it's, such a, it's such a part of life, uh, and, and it moves us spiritually, and it moves our souls, you know? So that kind of thing is involved in worship, and, and I would think most religions, even though there are certain sects that might, sects that might be against it, but in general, yeah, I meet musicians all the time that grow up like that. My mom was a vocal teacher and a piano teacher, so I grew up um, uh, learning classical piano at age five. I was uh, singing before I was age five, and, and my mom taught me that for about eight years. So music was always a very big part of my family, my upbringing, my church, the whole deal. Do you feel that's—I'm uh, assuming that's helped you with, the, with your success— but has it been hard because of, I guess, the, the cliche of what the rock and roll lifestyle is and perhaps the temptation that's out there? Because you're not right. – because you are – it's not like you are going – you're just playing Christian rock festivals. You're going out there with bands that like to party. So has that been right. – has that been a challenge or are you just you and it doesn't affect you? Yeah, honestly, it really doesn't affect me at all. Um uh, I've made such great friends with, you know, the bands we toured with um, all the way from, you know, Papa Roach, uh, even back in the day with Saliva and uh, everybody we've toured with, uh, we've just had great relationships with. Uh, it's never been a big deal for me, but I've always, ever since I was a kid, I've always, for better or for worse, I've always been very comfortable with, with who I am, you know, and as you said, when we, we 
people tell me uh, every interview or every fan I meet, every <laughs> promoter, every radio person is like, man, you guys have great positivity. It's like a thing. Well, it's really funny because if, if you put yourself back into 1999, um, if if uh, if we can all do that, <laughs> and when Skillet was first coming out, and we were first trying to get our songs played at radio, if you think about 1998, 99, 2000, the stuff that was hitting at rock radio was, I mean, the antithesis of, of positivity. You're talking about Corn and Manson and Nine Inch, and it was a very dark period for rock music. Yeah. And uh, the darker, the better. And I remember me finally saying to one radio station, I was like why won't you guys play our music? I just don't understand. <laughs> and he and he looks at me and he just goes, honestly, it's just too positive. <laughs> wow. It just feels like it's too happy or something. And he's like, it's heavy, but there's something about it that just doesn't feel, in, in their words, kind of like, like, it, it, like it belongs on rock radio. It's too happy. It's too positive. And, and I was like, oh, okay. And, and I started noticing that that's why fans loved us. So people loved us because we were positive. The radio stations weren't quite ready for that. And so, you know, you, here you go. Ten years later into 2009 and 2010, Skillet, you know, starts hitting at radio and all the DJs are going, man, I love this band. It's just so positive. That's what the world needs today. So there's been a major shift in culture into positivity and spiritualism in general, which I think kind of made a way for bands like Skillet, uh, to be understood a little better. So to, to, just to be honest, all the, the, you know, the sex, drugs, rock and roll, that's never bothered me. I know that's for some bands, like, for instance, one of my favorite rock bands of all time, Motley Crue. Uh, I can't imagine Motley Crue without sex, drugs, rock and roll. It's what their whole, you know, gig was about. And, and I love that band. But I don't think that every band has to be that way. Right. Um, most, of the, most of the bands that I fell in love with, weren't about that. I've never, li I've never once listened to a Metallica song. Who's my favorite, you know, hard band of all time. Never once listened to Metallica song and went like, Oh my gosh, pornography and sex. It never hit me that way. This was great music and it made me feel good. And you've stuck with your, your morals the entire time, even though when radio is kind of telling you to be different. And I, that's, that's just amazing. And you're right. Otherwise it's just, it's all the same. You know, I yeah, I like yeah. the dark music, but I like, and I don't even consider you guys. It's not like I'm listening to the the Partridge Family or the Brady Bunch. You you guys are heavy, but you're not <laughs> singing about you know decapitating people or, you know, just the lyrics aren't aren't you know that dark. And that's why I liked. Uh, I, I still like Creed. Creed was kind of the, the same way. I saw you as yeah. kind of like an evolution of of Creed. I, I more, kind of agree with that actually. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I kind of agree with that. I think you had like Creed and you kind of had like uh, Evanescence, I would say, to a degree. And there were like, there was like a group of bands that people started going, hey, are, are they a religious band? And, 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 and funny enough, I think it might have actually annoyed the bands themselves because they were like, no, we're not a Christian band. Why do people keep saying that? But it was kind of like it was easier for people to kind of put it into some kind of category. And they hadn't quite heard that kind of positive feeling before you know um evanescence was a very spiritual sounding band it had a romance to it and a spiritualism to it that was really good um so yeah you know i just think that you know for me i love music that's authentic and and for me i don't care if it's religious or even anti-religious i mean i know that some some religious people get very offended by anti-religious music 
I kind of just like music. And so if Trent Reznor sings something that I don't really agree with, which happens from time to time, um, or Manson, you know, Marilyn Manson might be a, even a better example because he can be kind of, uh, you know, anti, I don't mean anti really religion, but like anti-organized religion, maybe you want to say. Sure. There's some things that I don't dig that he says, but I'm a huge fan. Um, one of my favorite rock acts. And, and I listen to it and I'm like, I don't know, I'll believe him. And I feel, so, I just want to feel something when I listen to music. And that's kind of all that I ask from uh, from th- these radio stations. If they're not they're not understanding who you are, I go man, listen to the track and tell me if it makes you feel something. If it doesn't, don't play it. If it does, you know, screw everything else. Play the song. <laughs> and I think it's that attitude and that acceptance of all kinds of music is is why you guys keep getting asked to do all these major festivals. Uh, Vinny, you were listed. You, you and read your message that you sent me that you you were listed like a bunch of festivals that Skillet has just played with with GNR and or Slash? Oh, yeah, gosh, so many. Uh, uh, Rock on the Range in 2010 with Slash, uh, Grass Pop in 2018 with GNR, 2013 with uh, the, you know, new GNR, uh, Rocklahoma with GNR, Food and Truck Festival, or Food Truck and Rock Festival in 2015 with Miles, or Slash and Miles Kennedy. So, yeah, you guys have shared so many bills uh, with, you know, not just – GNR uh, alumni, but just a, a lot of diverse amounts of bands. And the upcoming is it the Exit One Eleven Fest or One 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 Fest? Forgive me for not knowing that. Uh, you know what? I've forgotten the name of it too, but I know the <laughs> one you're talking about. It's my first time ever playing with Ministry, which is nice, really wow. kind of funny and cool and weird. You know, so that <laughs> ought to be a cool time. But yeah, GNR, and uh, it, it's going to be awesome. Have you had any? I don't know whether interaction, meeting slash, or or just watching them side stage. Since you're such a fan of music, in addition to it being your profession, yeah. you're you're a fan. So I'm just curious if you, you know, if you, if you take time to watch other people's sets. Oh, absolutely, and and I'm kind of uh, you'll you'll even sometimes see me on like Instagram stories on Skillet or something where uh, when I'm when I'm meeting a band that I love. You know, I don't hold back my excitement. I kind of fanboy a little bit. <laughs> and, Me too. And the reason, I guess it's funny is because, you know, when you're in the business, you're not really supposed to act like a fan. But I'm like, dude, you know, you're you're playing with Metallica. I mean, it, or, or whoever, and you're freaking out. I never got a chance to meet Guns N' Roses. I would love to. Uh, yes, I have seen them uh, from front of house because – Watching side stage is cool for the experience. Well, it's kind of like it's cool for bragging rights, but I'm such a fan that I would just much rather go out front. I want to hear it proper, you know. Um, I, I'm not saying that, that it's not cool to watch. If you've never watched a band from side stage, it's a great thing to do. But I always watch bands from side stage. But if it's a band I love, you know, we played with Maiden five or six times in the last two years. I, I have to go out front. I just got to see this thing, you know. Um, and and I just and I always do Instagram stories about me singing along with their songs because I don't know I think if you if if you lose that kind of love that kind of childish love for music I don't know that's where the magic's at for me I just don't want to lose that I remember the first time I ever heard Welcome to the Jungle I remember I was in a I was in a you know music store remember that kids like <laughs> when <laughs> when people used to go to music stores to hear the music oh yeah and. Uh, you know, going into the store and they have all the posters up and they recognize me because I always go in and they're like, dude, 
you've got to hear this. I'm like, what is it? It's called uh, Guns N' Roses, You've Got to Hear It. And I'm like, oh, that, everybody's always like that. you got to hear this. And and I remember the very first time I heard that introduction with, uh, you know, the delay pedal, the dun-dun-dun-dun thing. Uh, you, you just have that feeling like everything's about to change, you know. It's all going to change right now, and I don't want to lose that. So, yeah, if, if you follow Skillet, you'll, uh, you'll always see me with the Instagram stories freaking out about the bands I'm playing with, Cinderella, whoever it may be. Uh, Tom, well, I wish uh, Tom Kiefer would get Cinderella back together. I think he said recently that 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 ship has sailed or, or something like that, and it's it's uh it's it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, no, it certainly is. But it's it's cool that you've kind of been on the same bill with different versions of GNR and 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 Slash, and then they're 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 together. So at least they they mended uh, fences. That's that's why whether you know, I say like it doesn't matter what religion or organized religion you believe in. I think faith and belief, you know, is important. As long as you just have the the core of that, that's that, that'll help I, you get through. I think so too. You know, I think that that as far as like a standard, I mean, me and you are getting very philosophical here. People listening are probably like, "What are they on about?" Is what uh, I do. But, but uh, you know, I mean, as a standard of like human beings having to live together. Uh, I'm kind of like, hey, w- what kind of better rule could there be than, than what, what you just said? Like, we don't have to agree on politics. We don't have to agree on religion. We don't have to agree on this stuff, but you have to have some sort of civilized things that we can agree on. And I think treating people fairly, loving people that aren't like you, you don't have to agree with them, but you can love them either way. Keeping that faith that you just said, that, that faith and that belief seeing the best in society rather than seeing the worst. If all you ever do is see the all the negativity and the worst in other people, it's just going to tear people apart. And, and I kind of, you know, with, I, I don't ever talk about politics, but it's pretty clear to say that's what's happening now on all sides of the spectrum. We, we, we're just tearing each other apart because we disagree with each other on, on things. And I just think we need to chill out. You know, I might sound stupid. Chill out and love people. It's pretty simple. It doesn't sound stupid because it's kind of how I feel. I mean, Vinny and I are angry New Yorkers. We're used to be, like <laughs> wanting to punch people in the face on the daily. But it, it, while that, while we still have that feeling, I'd like to think some things are just not worth it, man. It's just not worth it. Just peace. It's just, you know, it's just relax. Like you said, I just take a chill right. pill. I agree, man. And I'm gonna have the, the faith that you got that Skillet will open up for for Guns N' Roses on a regular uh, tour show because you guys have to come on. You have to ask because uh, I know you're doing the Exit 111 Fest uh, the same day also with Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown, and I've had Tyler Bryant on. I've had Graham uh, Whitford on on the show as well, and they've opened up for GNR. So you got to ask them what the secret is. I I know I'm gonna ask them. <laughs> I'm gonna make this crap happen, and if we do. Then me and you got to get up back on the phone because it was almost like a weird, like you know, karma thing that you made it happen. That's that sounds like a plan to me. Divine intervention or just wonderful coincidence. I hope it happens. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in a month, as I release this podcast, uh, victorious, and then uh, well, we, you have a new single out right now, legendary, uh, and then of course the the tour with uh, with Alter Bridge. Anything else that we should know coming up on? I mean, you, not yeah, you, guys, you guys have enough, see. but what else is on, on, coming down the pipe? Man, I'll tell you. Yeah, it's busy. Well, the record comes out August 2nd, which you said. New single is Legendary. We will be releasing the video for Legendary very soon. Um, we go on tour straight away 
first, actually, um, uh, with um, uh, Seven Dust. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, Skillet, Seven Dust, Pop Evil. <clears throat> that lasts for about 20 shows. Then we go straight from that tour to uh, Coville with Alter Bridge, which is going to be awesome. And then straight from there to Europe on our own headlining run in Europe. So it's a it's going to be a really busy year promoting the new record. Check out the new single, Legendary. It's a, it's a, it's a fist pumper. John, this really was such a pleasure. Uh, Vinny, while we, uh, we have him, do you have any other questions or, or thoughts before we uh, we let him go? Yeah, yeah. If you don't mind, John, uh, you know, I know you've mentioned Metallica a few times in this interview, and I've read, you know, how uh, influential they've been for you personally. And, you know, I, I, I actually really enjoy the Fight the Fury EP that you released last year as your, you know, your metal side project. Um, and the, the one, one of the singles that you've released so far, Save Me, is a pretty heavy track. So I'm just curious to know, are you planning to try and incorporate more metal elements into Skillet in the future, either on this, you know, release that's coming out soon or future releases? Right. Well, so thanks very much, by the way, for even knowing who Fight the Fury is. That makes me like you more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, I'm just just messing around, but it does make me happy. Um, You know, I think that this record, you know, Skillet has kind of been a hodgepodge of a lot of different sounds because we've been together so long and i always try to kind of ride that line of you know adding in a little bit of metal a little like i love the guitar solos and and that's very kind of reminiscent of my my 80s kind of metal era and 70s um uh influence excuse me not era influence and uh so on this record we did get to add a touch of that in as you mentioned save me is probably the the one we've done on the most in, in several records that that kind of reminds me more of like circa 2006 skillet uh like for our comatose record and that sort of thing there's another track on the record and we actually end the end the record with this like metal jam uh that is is basically going to make only a few people happy like me and like you Vinny, uh because it's, <laughs> it's, it's straight it's straight up like you know 1990 you know, metal prog jam uh and, and, and it's kind of a it's kind of just like a a thing to do for like the fans that really like that side of skillet. There's going to be a lot of people that don't do not understand what's happening and, and and it's fun and it's cool. And it's a side of us that we really like. So yeah, there are some heavier things on the record. Save me was one I was particularly, uh, particularly excited about the fans hearing because that's, it's very dark and Gothic and, and a lot of emotion in that song. And it's, and it's a nice heavy riff. So hopefully in the future, we will continue to keep adding those things in. Great. Brilliant. Uh, John, thank you so much for your time. Obviously, you're, you're insanely busy. Uh, where are you calling from right now? Because this is the, the quiet time uh, when you're not on the road. Right? I know. It's wonderful, man. I'm at home, actually. I have a couple of days off for the 4th. Got all my family coming over, setting up the volleyball net, and huh. uh, going to eat a couple hot dogs or whatever. And uh, it's just going to be really great. And then we're back at it on the 6th. Awesome. Well, happy July 4th, uh, John. And and just continued success. Uh, I I became a fan. Of, maybe you know the the name Lou Brutus. He oh yeah, I love Lou. Yeah, he has a radio show, Hard Drive XL. For those who don't know, who introduced me to bands like Skillet and Hailstorm, and you know they play Guns N' Roses as well. So I know there are some there are radio people out there uh, high, uh, waving that Skillet flag high. And, and thanks to them that I learned about you guys. And of course, all the dates and festivals you've played with GNR. That's put me you know you on my radar a lot of fans radar and awesome and that'll continue 
I love it. Thanks very much. I really enjoyed the interview and enjoyed talking with you and Vinny. And I will uh, be talking to you all uh, again, I hope. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. John, thank you so much. This really was a pleasure for me. Thank you, John. Awesome. You got it. I'll, I'll talk soon to you all. Take care. I don't know. I was really surprised of how nice he was. I don't know if that's a bad thing to say, but he just like a, a, a beaming ray of sunshine <laughs> as soon as I picked up the phone. And, and I don't know about you. I mean, their music is great, but now getting to know him a little bit, uh, that he has a great beard story. I don't know. I'm more of a fan. Yeah, no, definitely. The guy is a, a magnet for positivity. I mean, just everything he was excited to talk about. And yeah, just a, a genuinely nice person to talk to. It makes you wonder, you know, life, obviously life is interesting. I'm not saying anything profound. Uh, you know, Axel and him having similar just upbringings with that, just with the church and just seeing how different the, the paths went. You know, Axel is still very spiritual from uh from my understanding uh but definitely not religious i mean their their logo is a cross <laughs> so it's, yeah so and then, then it was skillet you know i i never it's like with creed i i never really look at i don't look at them as a religious band i just know there are some overtones but it's not like south park with faith plus one i don't know if you you saw that episode give it up for faith Plus one. Did yes. Okay. <laughs> it's not like that. So I guess I always looked at them as just a, I guess a cool rock band. You know, that, that's all I saw, and, and that's that's what we continue to get. So uh, I think yeah. they're, they're coming in our neck of the woods, the uh, Alter Bridge and and Skillet soon. So I don't know. Maybe I'll see you yeah. there, Vinny. But in the in the meantime, before we we potentially meet up at any shows, um, we're gonna do something else together. I know that sounds creepy, but it's it's not. <laughs> News. So we want to end this episode talking about what really took over the internet for for a while, and that's with Steven Adler. Uh, there were reports by TMZ, and I don't know how you feel. I know TMZ is kind of a clickbait, you know, tabloid kind of thing. But ever since they announced uh, Michael Jackson's death before anyone else did. I kind of take them a little seriously, even though I don't like how they approach, uh, use their approach. But they had announced that Steven Adler had stabbed himself in the stomach. And, and of course, that report and every other report that picked it up, it included his uh, history of of drug use, getting kicked out of Guns N' Roses, um, him doing, like, what was he doing, crack on... Uh, yeah. Uh, what was it? The not the, the what was the the VH1 show? Uh, Sober House. Yeah, so, Sober House. Yeah. With, with Doctor Doctor Drew, man. <laughs> I feel, yeah. How many people on his show have died? Uh, whatever. That's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it's the first thing I think of. I don't know about you. Was Artie Lang? I'm, I'm assuming since you're a New Yorker, you know who the comedian uh, Artie Lang is. Sure. Yeah. So if there are people who don't. I mean, I would like to think, but we have such a worldwide reach, you just never know. He's a stand-up comedian. He was on Mad TV. He was uh, with Howard Stern for a long time, but he has had a massive issue with drugs and suicide attempts. There was one a few years ago where he stabbed himself in the stomach eight or nine times. I mean, it's it's scary. I mean, the guy, thank, I mean, he's thankfully alive, uh, but that's a whole other 
maybe he might be a good guest. He probably could talk about Guns N' Roses. Gosh, can only imagine. Uh, yeah, I can only imagine as well. But that's what went through my mind. And I just kept saying, I want to wait until all the facts came out. What, like, uh, before we go further, what, were your first, what was your first reaction? Because it was either that some people said this was probably an accident or he tried to kill himself. What did you mm-hmm. think? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately at first, you know, I, I, I certainly was thinking, oh, my gosh, is this a suicide attempt? You know, a self-inflicted knife wound. That, that doesn't sound good, especially coming from, a, you know, a person who has known uh, addiction issues and, uh, you know, depression and mental health issues. So that is where my mind went first, um, you know, and, and obviously I was hoping that wasn't the case. And, and ultimately it looks like it turned out that it was not the case and that it, w- it was a, a true accident. Yeah, I was trying not to get carried away. You know, I know you're a listener of the podcast in addition to now a co-host alum. But I, I've mentioned, you know, my history with depression, you know, losing my, my dad to suicide. I, lo- I almost lost one of my best friends. Uh, her last thoughts before she passed out, and she was able to tell me this after because she survived, was of me, of how de- uh, disappointed in her uh, and I would be. Uh, that's kind of sugarcoating it just a little bit. So, but I, I, I'm ever since those moments, I'm very sensitive. Seems like with Chris Cornell or Chester Bennington or any celebrity uh, that when, when suicide is the topic of conversation, because I can't help but think of the family because I am part of the family. You know, I, I, I am a family of suicide, even me. I, I, I don't want to say, I, I, I've been thought about how I would phrase this. I don't know. I, I was never strong enough to actually make an attempt if that makes any sense. However, I definitely was somebody who would go to sleep all the time hoping I wouldn't wake up or would would drink so I could pass out like in the middle of the the afternoon. So I had like a Scott Weiland kind of thing where you're doing like a slow version of it, to be honest, you know, to be completely honest. So I'm I'm super sensitive to it. And I know Steven doesn't have kids, but I'm thinking, all right, what is his family? They're reading this. Maybe his nephews and nieces. I, I, I don't know the whole family tree of him. Uh, so I, kept, I I tweeted this, and I posted on Facebook. I'm like, let's just wait before we really jump to any conclusions until we get all the details, mainly because there was already blame going around, blaming Slash, blaming Axel, blaming Duff for kicking him out of Guns N' Roses all those years ago for only uh, having him do a couple guest appearances. So people are throwing blame around, and that is not good. That is not good. You know, that that was the one thing that bothered me, too. You know, look, I, the guy has issues, um, but it's it's not fair to blame Axel Slash Duff for, you know, his hit for his issues. So, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I thought it was it was silly, honestly, to, to jump to that conclusion after seeing a TMZ headline. I know it's hard not to cast blame. And I say that from experience because it's like you're, you're left wondering. Like you, you need somebody to blame. It's not like it's it's a it's cancer. You know, yes, mental illness is a disease, but it's not as tangible as, as cancer or AIDS or something that's gonna uh, that you can kind of blame. I, I guess. I mean, we're, we're hopefully changing the the narrative of it all and the stigma. But all I kept thinking about and 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 why I love this band so much, why I started doing this podcast was. Look at Axel, man. You don't think he deals with depression? That he's gone to therapy? 
slash the same thing, dop the same thing? You don't think these are things that they have dealt with in their own lives over time? You know, I'm sh- Slash is still friends with Steven. I'm sure it's, it was not an easy decision for him. It probably still hurts him today. But I, I don't want, I, obviously, I can't speak for Slash, but who knows his thoughts on it? Like, can Steven handle it? Is this what's best for him not to go out on the road with us? You know, is it an Axel thing? I have, we have no idea, but the cast blame is, is extremely dangerous. And it, it was just causing divisiveness among the fans before we even knew what happened. So you really yeah. saw what, what what fans thought about about certain members uh, of it, but thankfully, yeah, his, you know, I tried ca- contacting a couple people. Obviously, I'm I'm not you know super in the know, but the, having done this podcast and being in radio, I do have a few contacts. And it was uh, somebody, and I won't tell uh, say who, but a, a friend of Stephen reached out to me on Facebook uh, and, and said that he is okay. This is coming from the family. And this is before the the reverse story came out. So I was glad to kind of break that news to everybody that he's at least okay. And the person wouldn't say that's all the family wants to say right now is that he is yeah. 100% okay. And I also ch- uh, texted uh, Chips Enough, uh, who has yeah. been, re- ever since I've had him on, he's been really nice. He's uh, he's very interactive with, uh, with Twitter and on my Twitter, always liking posts and whatever. So I know he's still very friendly with Steven. So I said, you know, if it's appropriate, can I ask if he's a, at least okay? And he kind of relayed the same message. This is the message I got from the family. He's in good care right now. He's a 100%. But there was really no why, you know, what exactly happened. Right. So that kind of leaves a question, and I, I have no inside knowledge of it. And this is something for, for everyone to think about, you know. And it's, it's bringing back uh, the conversation to... Chris Cornell or Chester Bennington or Robin Williams, you know, any of these people that we lose. It, th- th- I understand that these are public figures, and some people feel like, they, oh, I, ha- I have the right to know what's going on in their lives. Uh, th- that's when you got to kind of take a step back and realize that these are people. So let's just say maybe Stephen was, you know, practicing. Uh, he, he's going to get a side gig at a Benihana, you know, when he's not, <laughs> and he's throwing yeah. around knives and stuff like that, and he accidentally stabs himself. Maybe that happened. Or some people are like saying, is this a potential cover up for something that did happen, and they just don't want, they want to keep it uh, contained? And if that is what happened, that is totally okay. If, if that is the narrative that, you know, it, God forbid Stephen actually did try to hurt himself, but the the family's cover, you know, saying, you know, we're, we're – because he's supposed to play his next show. Like, he's not missing any shows. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's the case. I just want people to – again, people to know. Like, my mom will still sometimes tell people that my dad had a heart attack. It's just – sometimes it's easier to have that conversation. There's a time and place. So I guess I'm not saying, of course, I have. if that's what happened with Steven, I'm going to take it on face value from his reps that it was an, a, an accident, that the uh, the hospital was a precaution, that it was not that serious. I'm going to take that as, as, as truth. But for those doubting, let it be. Just, just let it be. If that's what the family chose, just just leave, leave it alone. It's not our business. You know, unless Steven or one of the family members comes out and say, hey, you know what? I had a moment, and I want this to be a teachable moment. So that's 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 my two cents about it. I yeah. know that's pretty heavy. Well, that's pretty heavy stuff. I know. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I wanted to add, I agree with you. Let, let it be for now, obviously, you know, that if, if, if it was an attempt, the family just wants privacy and to kind of bring this, uh, you know, to, to you and your approach to this podcast, I think that's why you've been so successful. You're not pushing anyone for that information. You know, you're, you're, you're just trying to get, uh, interesting stories out there. You're not trying to get anyone in those gotcha moments that, that create headlines. And so, you know, I think you're right for, you know, checking and making sure Steven's okay. Um, and when he's ready, if he's ever ready, you know, if, if it was something else other than an accident, he'll, he'll, you know, say so when he feels it's the right time. Agreed. And that's, yes, that's the approach I really try to have, especially in this Guns N' Roses world where everybody is afraid to talk and, all these uh, non-disclosure agreements, it's just, uh, it's been a challenge, but the fact that we can keep going and having these interviews, and I'm not, I'm not going to change, even if I were, you know, to become the Guns N' Roses version of, of Joe Rogan to be insanely successful, I still wouldn't want to get stories out of people they're not comfortable sharing, uh, and that, I mean, that is also part of the sto- reason why I share my story, is because I want people to feel comfortable that I'm not going to ask them anything that I wouldn't ask of myself as well. And, but I will say that the major positive that came out of this was the unbelievable love for Steven. Like, holy shit. Like, you knew that he was kind of a, a beloved member or ex-member, but I'm not even talking about on Guns N' Roses sites, on, on Blabbermouth, on Metal Sucks, and all, on all these sites that are just kind of notorious for, you know, just shitty comments. Everyone was just sending out thoughts and prayers and hope, and even if before they they knew that it was not a suicide attempt, uh, you know I hope he gets better. That help he he needs. So, you know if anything, Stephen should, you know, accident or or not, look at the love that he was given. Like just outright, is just was just awesome. It's one of those moments like you always wonder. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm morbid, but you wonder what people would say about you at your funeral. You know. <laughs> He, yeah, he kind of yeah. had that moment, as, as fucked up as that is to say, he kind of found out what people would say about him at his funeral. Yeah. And interesting that not many uh, rockers commented publicly. None of the GNR guys. Uh, Todd Kearns did on his uh, Instagram, I believe. Uh, and, and to that, I will also say, you don't know what was said privately. Uh, we just don't know. So I, I, I'm yeah. not, not going to take... The I know there's a lot of silence in that in that camp, and sometimes silence is an answer. I'm not taking that. This this was a serious thing that happened. Uh, I I'm sure, you know, at least one of the big three reached out and relayed the message, or, or something happened behind the scenes. That that I I would find very hard to believe if he was in serious danger that none of them would reach out to them, uh, re- reach out to him privately. So. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I've seen the comments about, I can't believe no one said anything on Twitter, on, you know, Facebook. And it's like, come on, guys. You know, th- this is a, a potentially serious incident. And I, I, like you, I'd be shocked if no one reached out to him privately. Um, but, you know, that's none of our business either, right? For sure. And, uh, I mean, maybe you should know what Slash said since you got you and him are our best friends forever. <laughs> so that was me right. doing a call back to uh I, I know we never got the story about how you met Slash, and that's the picture that's posted on our social media. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was lucky enough through through work. Uh, I you know before the company I'm at, I was uh, working in in the music industry, 
and um, he was coming through to promote Apocalyptic Love, came through our office. Okay. Um, you know, the, the our people there knew what a massive fan I was of Guns N' Roses, and so uh, I had tickets to his show. He uh, That night he was playing Terminal 5, so I had tickets to the show and everything. So I got down there, went down the, the hallway to meet him and got a picture, and he signed my uh, Appetite for Destruction record, which is, you know, I obviously still have that in a, in a safe spot. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it was a really cool experience. It was a brief meeting, but, uh, you know, it was, it was cool to meet someone you've been looking up to at that point for gosh, what was that? 20 plus years, you know, 25 years, something like that. So yeah, it was pretty cool. I think it's great. It's, it's great when these, uh, guys are out and about and take time to, to meet fans. Cause the, you know, that one little moment, yeah, Slash has met, I'm, I'm sure literally millions of, of fans over his, uh, his career and, and no, to no fault of his own, I'm sure he can't remember every single one, but you will always remember that. So that's a, that's a cool special moment and your coworkers helping you out. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, definitely memorable and uh, we'll never forget that for sure. Hopefully you feel the same way about this podcast. Uh, how did you do? Oh. How do you, how do you think <clears throat> you did? Uh, I, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't tripping over my own words, so I think I did okay. Um, I hope, like you, you know, you talked about your New York uh, accent and how fast you talk. I hope any international listeners who English is not their first language were able to follow me. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll give myself a B right now. How about that? <laughs> you were serious about that? <laughs> <laughs> now, as long as you had fun, that's what I tell all my co-hosts, uh, that's all that matters. You know, sometimes I can get carried away in a certain part of the conversation. I tell everybody, just cut me off, tell me to shut up, because uh, I want you to be as much as a part of these episodes as I am. And I'm just glad uh, that you were able to do it. And, you know, he didn't know about that Axel Rose connection. So, and he, he appreciated, you know, you knowing the, uh, his metal project. So, yeah. you know, you, you made this episode better. So uh, I I give you an I give you a gold star. I don't want to give you like a value system. I want to give you like a smiling gold star because you did because you, you had a, you had a, you had a good time. I had a good time with you, and it's just uh, another episode in the books. And I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Well, no, thanks so much for letting me do this. Uh, you know, I love the I love the show. I do. I think I told you you're one of uh you know i do listen to a few podcasts but certainly when uh, a new episode pops up i i listen as soon as i can and uh, yeah you, you have a great show and congratulations to you on that that means a lot it's still very weird to me that this what essentially was uh, like a hobby I mean, like yes i do work in radio but i don't i wasn't hired to do this podcast this was something i started with scotto you know, we we both had access to radio stations being in radio and just to see how far it's come uh, with with the interviews and, and getting to connect with people all over the world, even if it is right in my backyard. We wouldn't even though uh, we're a few blocks away from each other. We would not have met without Guns and Roses. So that's what this podcast is about. It's connecting people, yep. uh, people through GNR. So um, maybe we'll, we'll hear, uh, have Vinny back on in the future. That's what I like to do. I like to, you know, certain guests put out there for, for co-hosting opportunities. Uh, I will say it, might, it probably will be the next episode, but uh, Damon Johnson, uh, he's played with Alice Cooper. He, he's, he's now with Thin Lizzy. Uh, he Guns N' Roses. He's been quoted Guns N' Roses and Slash major influence on him. 
he's been on Mitch LaFon's podcast uh, before, so if you want to you know, learn more about him before he comes on this show, uh, you can do, listen to Mitch LaFon. But I'm going to have um, a, a radio friend of mine who we've been trying to do uh, an episode together for a long time, but it hasn't happened. And it's appropriate that I bring it up now because he was the one I, le- I was kind of his understudy for that hard drive XL Brutus show I was talking about with uh, with Skillet. And his, his, so Bill uh, Bill Powell is going to be my my co-host for for Damon Johnson. Uh, he's so he works for United Stations Radio Networks. He's a and he was the one that introduced me. I thought it was Alice Cooper's radio show, but it was actually Bill who introduced me to Hailstorm. And he's like, you will like this band. And the first song he played for me was their cover of Out to Get Me, which is one of the better GNR covers ever. You know, I know a lot of bands have usually Sweet Child of Mine or something, but uh, wow. It was that, and uh, I think she on that first uh, covers album they did Slaves to the Grind and Bad Romance. So he's like, this, this, right. this band is right up your alley. And I've been a, a Hailstorm fan since. So it's see all this six degrees of GNR bacon. It's just all, it all connects somehow, and it's brilliant. So be on the lookout for for that episode. And I already recorded uh, my interview with Peanut from Three Eleven, but that's going to be out, uh, I believe, the week of the seventh, because they want that to coincide. So yeah, no, yeah, we get the eighth, something like that. Yeah, we get the seventh or eighth, however you look at it, uh, because that's going to coincide with their new record. So. Uh, those are two more guests to look forward to, Damon Johnson and Peanut on the AFD show. So uh, unless anything else that you uh, you have to say, uh, are you going to have your, your – well, there are some curses, not too much, but are you going to have your girls uh, listen to you on the, on the radio, quote-unquote, or your girl? Uh, yeah, probably my wife. Not, not so sure about the kids. Probably not. But, uh, <laughs> okay. you know, all good. But I do have one thing. You, you got to – I don't know if you have the soundbite queued up, but am I officially a bad apple now? I, I, thank you for reminding me. You're a bad apple. Absolutely, my friend. All right. That made it all worth it right there. <laughs> Beautiful. So that does it for episode 131 of Appetite for Distortion. Appreciate you listening however you listen, whether it's on the iHeartRadio app, on Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, uh, iTunes, um, if you just ask me for the audio, if you have any issues, I'm happy to send it to you. As long as you listen, thanks so much. And, of course, we are also featured on AlternativeNation.net. When will you see the next episode of the AFD show? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it.